Hello, friends. It's Candice. Um, today, uh, well, I'm with Autism One Media, and today my guest is, is Christina Hildebrand from A Voice for Choice. She's going to give us an update on what she's been doing and what's going on with uh, Dr. Exley. Good morning, Christina. Good morning. So um, tell us, uh, Christina, A Voice for Choice, what's been going on? <laughs> well, there's a lot going on, but not very much, given that we're in, in shelter in place. Um, we, uh, A Voice to Choice is going to bring Dr. Chris Axley over to the U.S. Uh, we have been helping to fund his research, and uh, we were going to bring him over in March, but unfortunately, due to the coronavirus, we had to phone that. Um, and he's now hopefully going to come in May or June. And uh, for those of you who are not aware of Dr. Exley's work, he is at Keele University. Uh, he is the leading researcher on aluminum in the world. And he started his career off researching aluminum in water, so why salmon and other fish were dying in polluted uh, rivers and, and oceans. And in recent years, that has expanded to aluminum research to do with Alzheimer's and Alzheimer's brains, and he has unequivocally shown that uh, aluminum is one of the main reasons for Alzheimer's, and that if you don't have aluminum in your brain, you don't have Alzheimer's. Uh, and then so the tell other, us, the, just from your, I'm sorry to interrupt, but no, just for our listeners, what are the sources of aluminum as far as you, you know? Right, so um, there's aluminum products that are becoming less used, so, for example, uh, in deodorant, that was a big one in probably the probably about 20 years ago, and that was causing breast cancer and and other things. Uh, but the, the one of the ones that we're most interested in is aluminum in vaccines, and you know, aluminum is something that is from from my understanding, and you know, Dr. Axley will talks about this. So if you if you don't know him, go go Google him and and watch some of his talks. But um, aluminum is is a prolific metal in the world, but it is not one that humans use at all. And so any aluminum in our body is in our body and is is there for no reason. We don't we don't use it at all. And if you ingest it, so if you eat it or drink it, uh, for whatever reason, there's aluminum in various various products, but it's usually excreted. Uh, however, if it's injected, it does stay in the bloodstream and it can go through to the blood brain barrier. And what he's shown is that both Alzheimer's patients and autism patients have much higher, he's taken sort of those that have died and looked at their brain tissue, and they have much higher levels of aluminum uh, in their brains. And we do believe that that comes from the vaccines rather than from other places, because if you're ingesting it, if you're eating it, um, it, it goes to other places in your body, but doesn't, doesn't necessarily. Um, yeah, we know about the, the digestive tract where it can, yeah. it, it, all the poison gets pushed through. But what about with the geoengineering and the aluminum that we breathe? Has he I'm said sure anything that about has, that? Yeah, he hasn't said anything about that, I, that I know of. Um, I'm sure, you know, there is, I'm sure we take it in. So we take it in in all different ways. I don't know how when you're breathing it in, how that how that affects Well, you. it his, seems his, you know, that your nose is right there by your brain. <laughs> it is, so, yes. I think there's a little more to like it with than the, that. But, kind uh, of like with the flu mist vaccine, it, it's right, right there. <laughs> uh, 
Um, I think there's more to it than that, but I don't think he's looked at the sort of aerosolized uh, aluminum uh, at this point. His his key research has been has been on the brain tissue and and the amount of aluminum in in the body. Um, but the key thing with Dr. Epstein's work is that up until probably five years ago, before he started making a connection with aluminum in vaccines, his Research was primarily funded by government grants, um, you know, other other funding um, that he applied for. And but since he has sort of taken on the vaccines and the vaccine issue, or even talked about it, I mean, he's not, you know, if you ask him, he's not anti-vaccine. He's just doing research on aluminum uh, in vaccines. And but even that, uh, his funding has basically his grants, uh, his national funding. Um, in the UK has basically been taken away and, and he cannot get it even when he applies for it. And so um, he is being independently funded at this time. And so that was part of the reason why we were bringing him over to the US is to do some fundraising for him. Uh, he has two researchers and himself that are doing doing this amazing research. And in order for them to continue um, doing this research, he, he does need about $250,000 a year. And so that was that is the reason we're going to bring him over, and he's going to do some some lectures here uh, in the U.S. Uh, in California and Washington D.C. are planned, and and we've had requests um, to do them elsewhere as well. So we'll see when he actually comes over, uh, what we can fit in. And just for our listeners, um, Autism One Media has uh, Dr. Chris Exley uh, speaking at Autism One, and those are all archived. So you can find yep. him there. And do you have any more on your website, A Voice for Choice, any more videos of his talk? Um, we don't, but we do on the um, another uh, uh, expo that we do, which is called Live Aware. And so Live on Aware. for Live Aware, we do have his, um, and on our on liveaware.com, um, we have his, his two talks that he gave a couple of years ago at, at that conference. Great. So, yeah, he's a great guy. I, I met him personally. Um, mm-hmm. We had a great time. He's funny, um, and he's smart as a whip. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> do we know any of the people that he's working with as far as the other scientists? Uh, they're just his uh, lab researchers. So he's in a university setting, so it's it's his lab researchers at the university that, that are students and and uh, fellows, um, and that's Kale University, K A L E. No, Keel, K E E L E. University okay. it's in uh, the middle of the UK, middle of England. Okay. Um, and the the key there is that if he if his research is not funded, his lab will no longer exist. And and given that he is one of the few people that is working on aluminum in the world and truly the expert at it, it would be incredibly unfortunate if his research did not continue and so i think it's you know it's up to us as people who are interested in in seeing the safety of vaccines and seeing the safety of aluminum in general i mean it's it's you know it it is out there um and it's being put in in drugs that we don't drugs in the air and wherever else that you know we're not necessarily aware of um you know to continue that research is really important because so much research is no longer independent research. It is biased research to... And I just know, want to say something, Christina. Yep. I got a call yesterday <laughs> from a nonprofit asking me for money for Alzheimer's. 
<laughs> and yeah. I asked them when they were going to start studying aluminum or funding aluminum research. Until mm-hmm. they did, I wouldn't be donating any money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's for anyone to be doing aluminum I mean, to be doing Alzheimer's research without the aluminum component at this point is is really, uh, you know, they're taking your money. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty obvious. Yes. A yeah. friend of mine, um, her mother had died of Alzheimer's. So she was always after me to donate to this particular organization. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did until I met Dr. Exley. Yeah. So, okay. So it's back to you. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I think that's the, you know, that's the crux of it. Um, I would say to any of your listeners, you know, if you're interested, definitely um, watch out for the, on the either a Voice to Choice uh, Facebook page or Twitter or our our website. Um, join our join our newsletter and, and now is this a tax more information a tax deductible donation it is yes so okay. you can even if you don't come to the uh to the lectures you can we have a page up for him for donations and they go directly to him um you know they're those donations are for for his research, not for us. And so if you want to donate to him, even if you don't come to the lectures or at this time, you're welcome to to go there and donate, and they are tax deductible. Okay. Well, I just want to say it's very noble of you having your um, A Voice for Choice advocacy and, um, you know, helping to fund Dr. Exley's work. And also we know that you put together this uh, um, event uh, with Live Aware, and it's usually in Northern California. Uh, what month does that generally take place, Christina? So it usually takes place in October. This year we actually postponed it to February, and I'm not sure when we'll – the next one will happen in 2021, and we're trying to decide whether we keep it in February. Um, thankfully, it happened just before the coronavirus complete outbreak. Yeah, so uh, – But what we found was there were a number of – in February, there were a number of speakers that actually had fallen sick, not with, we don't think with the coronavirus, but um, but that were sick. And so it's not an ideal time to do it because we're in the middle of cold and flu season. So yeah, we, are, we are trying to work out for next year um, both what timing we want to do and also where we want to do it. We may actually move it um, to a different place uh, other than Northern California uh, just so that other people have easier access to it. Right. So um, Live Aware is actually your event where you talk about other environmental toxins that affect our health and well-being. So, yes, um, those, and that's the, how it all connects to Dr. Exley. Yes. The context of it is it's uh, Live Aware, Living Healthy in a Toxic World. So the speaker's there, and we'll be releasing the talks from the Live Aware conference from this year uh, next week. And so anyone who wants to go to, the, to watch them, uh, to liveaware.com and sign up, there's a newsletter, sign up there, and, and we'll send you them. Um, they are, uh, you know, they're, they're speakers that talk about a breadth of different things that are, that are affecting our world and how to, what solutions you can have in order to make sure that you are, you know, you stay as healthy as possible during that time. Yes. So um, I know everybody's on lockdown, there's, uh, but I know that you're always on the move. Um, you're in the know as far as legislation being presented. Um, has the Voice yeah. for Choice um, written any bills or what's going on right now? So prior to 
COVID-19, we had a bill, we have a bill, it's still alive, but I'm not sure how much further it will go, um, that labeled uh, menstrual products. And so our our key thing there is it was a law that was passed in New York last year, and we wanted to bring it forward here because um, the sort of slogan is every woman should know what goes into her body, which goes along with our mission statement of informed choice and transparency. And we felt that it it was a good uh, a good bill to continue that discussion outside of vaccines, which have such a toxic, um, you know, you mentioned vaccines in the legislature and everyone just cringes and doesn't want to talk to them. So we have that bill. It is active. Having said that, the California legislature did go on recess until April 13th. We'll see whether they actually come back on April 13th. The the word on the street is that they won't, that they'll come back for a few days past some emergency legislation for the coronavirus um, and then go back on recess for, you know, basically until we are out of this shelter in place. The the other key thing, because the legislature, the legislative season will be, session will be uh, truncated, that they will they're they're being asked and you know this is word on the street that there's nothing official yet but they're being told that they need to basically slash any bill that infringes on uh, infringes on the budget that is not coronavirus related and really focus on coronavirus and what we can do for the budget so some of these other bills such as the menstrual product labeling bill it's unclear if that will move forward it doesn't have a budget um, you know, it doesn't have a budget associated with it, so it may move forward. Um, but it definitely, uh, it, the, the legislature, it looks like will come back and truly just focus on the coronavirus and our budget uh, to see what can, can happen there because our economy clearly is going to need a lot of help and the people of California and, and the rest of the U.S., but specifically in California, um, you know, are going to need help. And so they're focusing on that. So we don't actually know what, will come out of this. So yesterday, the president, uh, or the day before, he extended um, the social distancing until, uh, let's see, what was it? Uh, Gosh, now it's slipping my mind. I had it right there. Is it uh, June? I think he said June 1st, but through, I think he said through May. Is what his, okay. His well, knowing are. that we've got all these people uh, working at home to to educate their children, um, and this yeah. is purely speculation, but it's heavy on my mind. I'm watching. I, I want to know from you if there's any kind of possibility that they could put in some kind of vaccine thing to um, uh, mandate homeschoolers be vaccinated. Now that we're stuck in our homes, do you think? Uh, Tan would take this opportunity to, to jump into that? I don't think he would be allowed to. Um, but you'll keep us posted, right, oh, if he will does or anything post. comes up? Oh, absolutely. The, the place right. where I have a concern is not now. Um, my concern is come next year when there is a coronavirus vaccine. Probably not next year, um, the year after, 2022, um, you know, the Johnson Johnson have said that they will have, you know, a billion doses of a coronavirus vaccine ready for emergency use in January of 2020. I don't know how it's emergency use if you're making a billion doses, because to me, a billion doses is, you know, worldwide mass vaccination, not emergency January use. 2020? 
January of 2020, yes. Um, it, that means it's going into trial. It's got three months of trial. I mean, it's, it's clearly not going to be safety tested. It's not going to be properly efficacy tested either, but that's what they're saying. And so um, the, I, I don't think it would be mandated 2020 for children. I mean, we have to see, you know, clearly they're, they're pushing this through really, really quickly. I don't think it would be mandated in school for 2020, but I could see something going through the legislature in 2020 that would mandate it for the 2021 school year, um, and that's concerning. So we will definitely be on top of that. Um, but it's, you know, I think, it, I think it's concerning. One of the things that we're really pushing for and we want to push for is the titer testing, so the antibody testing. So a lot of people in California had something that was really um, they were very sick at the end of December, beginning of January with respiratory. That was me. Yep, that, that was, was me. And, you Twice. Know, people are, yep. Again and in January. People, yeah, and people are saying, you know, I think I had coronavirus. Well, what's being shown from the coronavirus is that it probably doesn't mutate very quickly. It probably mutates a little. And so somebody who has had the coronavirus this year probably is immune next year, maybe not the following year, but is immune at least next year. And so one of the things we're really pushing for and pushing the governor and, and Trump as well to get to the U.S., which both Germany and the U.K. have done, is these antibody tests. So you can actually, what, what will happen is it'll be a finger prick test that you can find out if you had um, it's either a finger prick or a serological test, but that you can that, to find out whether you um, had, have had the coronavirus and whether you have immunity to it. What that will really help is, A, it means the vaccine becomes obsolete for those people because you already have immunity, and B, it becomes, uh, you know, it gives you the ability to feel safe or to know, you know, okay, I can go around my parents or the kids' grandparents because I've already had it. So you can be around the more, you know, the, the ones that are more at risk from this. From this disease. Yeah, but that so, works both ways. My concern would be it works it both ways, and they it could does. mandate that I get the vaccine if I don't have the titers. Absolutely. And plus, Absolutely. I don't want them having my DNA. So you mentioned yes. um, blood, a prick of the finger or a blood test. What was, oh, blood. A blood test. All right, yeah. So either one of those, yeah. I mean, there there is there are potential... Uh, risks on the other side, absolutely, that, that, you know, if you don't have the antibody. But having said that, I really think that, you know, and I, we will fight it by all means. But, you know, when you've got a billion doses of vaccine being prepared, the only thing I see there is mass mandated vaccination. <laughs> so, you know, it, 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 the, I think, you know, if I had to, you know, project just based on knowing that, I think mass mandated vaccination is coming our way anyway. And so, you know, what are the, all the tools in the toolbox that we can ensure to, to have the freedom of choice? Another one is that that vaccine, the J&J vaccine specifically, does use um, aborted fetal cells in, their, in its creation. And so, you know, at the very least, there should be some form of religious exemption for it because it does use fetal DNA um, tissues. Uh, and I and still have the paperwork online. on my desk, Christina, about um, infringement on um, religious rights with the mm -hmm. HHS. The, the president uh, opened a yes. different arm of the HHS where you could actually mm -hmm. file a complaint 
Yep. So that still stands and that's still there. Um, it does. It's, it is, you know, we've tried filing things in there for vaccines and for children's, you know, for school. Um, and it's hard to get because they don't really oversee the school side of things. I think if there's mass vaccination on an adult level as well, um, I think that's where we'll probably see use of it and where they may actually come out, especially given that um, Trump, I mean, I think it's interesting that J&J is using fecal cell lines. I mean, it makes sense in vaccine production, just if you know anything about vaccine production, it's one of the, you know, it's one of the ways to create a vaccine. So it it is, it, you know, I, I understand why they're, why they're, the manufacturer is using that. It's interesting to me that Trump is uh is open to that being the vaccine of choice. Clearly, he's going to use, you know, clearly whatever works is going to be used. But he, you know, Trump stopped all uh, funding of um, research that used fetal cells, fetal aborted fetuses. So, you know, he's he clearly has some interest there. So I think, it, I, you know, my hope is that if there is a mass vaccine push, that there, that he put it to, from the federal level that he put um, a religious exemption in place because this does include aborted fetal cells. So, you know, I think we have to think about all the pieces of the puzzle. You know, I think this is coming. It's coming towards us. And we need to figure out the tighter testing, the religious exemption, medical exemption, you know, what's in the vaccine, you know, to get as much ammunition to push back as possible. Um, but I think there's you know, I, th I think we have to recognize that that it's not one thing, it's many things, but that we need to use all the tools in the toolbox kind of thing. So I agree with you on tighter testing that, um, I, you know, it, it, it does it does open up a issue of, well, what if I don't have the titers? Are they then going to force the vaccine on me? But if you do have the titers, then, you know, that's a a plus on that side. We need to work out what we do with the people that don't have the titers or don't want to do the titer testing um, to prevent them from being, you know, forced vaccinated. Um, but we do have, you know, I mean, the, the, um, the scary thing is, is both on a federal level and in California, our health officials have the ability to force vaccinate um, and, and to mandate that. So, you know, we're, we're in a position where we, in, in the time of an epidemic, let's put it that way, or a pandemic, um, and so, and you know, have to remember, an epidemic is four or more people having the disease. So, it's a place where we really need to um, we need to push back, but we need to use all the tools we have in the toolbox. So, Christine, I have about five more minutes. Um, mm -hmm. So, uh, what else would you like to talk about? Um, more of what a Voice for Choice is is doing, or uh, more on Exley, or take no, it wherever you'd like. Well, I think, I mean, I think that's, you know, I think people need to be aware. I mean, I think, I, I will say, I, I truly believe that, you know, people are, are talking about, oh, our constitutional rights. I, I think we have to come to a place where we realize that we don't have our constitutional rights anymore. Um, it's clear that this flipping of the switch, we no longer get to make an informed choice. I no longer get to choose whether I can go out and talk to my friends and, you know, have a drink with them and make the informed decision that I may get coronavirus. Um, I, you know, that decision has been taken out of my hands. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want to kill anyone. I don't want any of the elderly or whoever is susceptible to get, you know, to get coronavirus and to, to get 
really sick from it. But at the same time, I think every individual should be able to make an informed choice for themselves. And if, you know, if I were a high risk category, I would be staying home. I would have no contact with anyone because I wouldn't want to get, you know, I wouldn't want to get it. Um, but it, and the same ha the same holds for any virus. I mean, it holds for flu season. It holds for, you know, colds. It holds for hand, foot, and mouth. It holds for measles. It holds for whatever. You need to make the decision yourself of whether you're comfortable going out into the world or if you need to stay home. Um, and and, and, and we send our kids yourself. to school every day with kids that are freshly vaccinated that are setting setting uh, the, the virus to, to make those informed decisions. Absolutely. And so, you know, to me. I truly feel that we can't rely on, and I don't have an answer, so it's, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to many people, listening to many things to try and work out, you know, how do we move forward from here? But I think our, you know, our rights, it is clear our rights can be taken away in a heartbeat. And, it, you know, I don't think when we get given our so-called freedom back when we come out of the shelter in place, but all of our freedoms will be there. Um, we, they will have been hindered in many different ways. And, and I think that's where we need to wake up and be, and work out what, and as I said, I don't have the answer at this point. <laughs> we'll have a conversation when, when, when I do or other people do, but, um, but I don't have the answer of how we do that. But I think we have to recognize that, you know, our, our constitutional rights are no longer in existence they're they're in existence but they can be taken away i mean we right now we don't have our first amendment our third amendment our you know fifth amendment our our 13th amendment there are so many amendments that have been violated by executive orders on all levels that you know we we have to recognize that our constitution that was written is no longer viable and and i don't know how i don't know how we work around that we have to think outside the box and we have to work around it i don't know what the answer is but i just feel like people have to recognize that you know if you think you're going to go to court or if you think you're going to stand up for civil liberties they're just not there anymore and it was done yeah the courts very, are closed <laughs> well and it was done in a very warm and fuzzy way right right now i i truly believe we're under medical martial law if, you know if anyone's more interested in that uh, james corbett does an amazing job he did a podcast on it called medical martial law we're there but it's all warm and fuzzy and it's all done by public force rather than any form of militia or policing or anything it's your next door neighbor is watching out for you. I mean, it's true, you know, 1984, Brave New World. Your next door neighbor is watching what you're doing. And if you're out and about with friends, you know, they're going to look at you or they're going to say something. So it's been done very, very well. Um, and, and in a way that you feel public pressure of not going, you know, doing something. But it's, it is very... Um, you know, our rights have been taken away and our, our civil liberties have been taken away and we cannot make an informed choice at this time of what we want to do personally. Um, I think the one thing I'll say to people is, and, and wrapping up, is, you know, I sound, I sound like I don't have an answer. I don't. The one thing I can say is where you do have control is in your house, in, with your family, with your, you know, with your community, with your environment. And so, you know, make sure that you at this time are not fearful and, and really put a positive into that. Spend time with your family, nurture your kids, um, you know, take this as a time where you can, can control what you can control um, and, and make sure that you're, you know, eating healthy, that your immune system's strong, that you're staying positive. Um, 
because those that will help you come out of this stronger. Yes. But I just want to say I don't like the school dictating what I do at home either. So it's kind of, you know, they're yeah. telling us that we got to do all this work. And, you know, we feel like we're in our sanctuary and we don't want them here. Yeah. I, think, I mean, I But think not all families thing. feel that way, but I do because I don't yeah. like being told what to do by the state or the agency. Yeah. I mean, I think if you if you have a kid in public school or in private, you know, especially in public school, I think they, you know, given that your kid would normally be in their school, I think they get to say what they want kids to be doing. Um, but I, I, I hear I hear you. I mean, I think I think there will be a lot of people that recognize that they can actually homeschool better than their school. <laughs> That's what they'll be doing after this, regardless of their vaccine status. <laughs> well, I hope the intention behind all this is 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 good. And I hope that we come out with um, our rights. And um, I'm just praying that it all goes um, for the people, for the yes. people, by the people. So, Christina, thank you so much for your time today. You. you know, I love talking to you, and I love to know what you're up to because you're a doer and a shaker, and you always got going on. <laughs> thank so you. for our listeners, please uh, go to a Voice for Choice uh, advocacy.com. Uh, you can go to, uh, let's see, liveaware.com, and please hit the like, share, and subscribe button. And if you feel like donating to Dr. Exley or to A Voice for Choice or to Autism One, we would be forever grateful. So thank you so much, Christina. And if anything comes up, please give us a call. I will. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>